call the meeting to order City of University Heights. Today's April 11th, 2023, and the meeting's being conducted electronically. Thanks everyone for coming on this beautiful April evening. Um, first order of business, I'm gonna approve the minutes of March 14th and March 28th. Uh, they were sent by Mike. Are there any additions or corrections to either of the minutes? Hearing none. Both minutes will be proved by unanimous consent. Then I'll go to the public hearing. So I call the public hearing to order for Oak Crest Avenue and Mahaska Drive intersection improvements. Would anyone from the public, I think Pat Yegi's here, want to speak at the public hearing tonight? Mike, did you get any correspondence? I did not. I did not get anything. Okay. I didn't hear from Pat, so I'll close the public hearing. And then I'm gonna move around a little bit, if okay with council, I'm gonna go down to the um, streets and sidewalks to consider resolution 2310 that Ryan wrote in his um, engineer report that approves and confirming plan specifications form of contract and estimate of the 23 Oak Crest Avenue and Mahaska Drive intersection improvements. And that was in Ryan's report. Um, why don't we go ahead and get a motion? <clears throat> I'll make a motion. Okay, motion by Doug. Is there a second? I'll second. Second, second by Stephanie. Um, any discussion? Okay, roll call vote. John? Aye. Moore? Aye. Schroeder? Aye. Scott? Aye. Swales? Aye. Motion carries 5-0. Okay, now we'll go to this presentation. I see Dorian is here with uh, Chief Kelsey and to talk about an information uh, presentation on the possible use and impact of ATEs which is automated traffic enforcement in the city. And Chief, do you wanna introduce the guest? Yes, thank you, Mayor. Uh, I have, following some of my conferences that I've attended and following conversations with council, I've reached out to several different vendors and Dorian has been the most responsive. Uh, plus I have an established relationship with somebody with GenOptic who Dorian represents. Uh, Dorian uh, met with uh, Steph Gaughan and I virtually as part of the information gathering process. I shared a little bit of that with council at the last meeting, but I, I wanted to put it after discussion with mayor, I wanted to put it as a formal agenda item and allow Dorian the opportunity just so I didn't misrepresent anything and he could do it uh, to full council uh, the opportunity to explain the ATE system and, and how it would work and how it would interface with University Heights. So without any further ado, uh, Dorian, uh, you have the floor. Thanks, Chief, I appreciate it. Um, let's see, I'll share my screen. Is it okay, to, do you want me to go through the presentation now? I'm trying to make it as sure. quick as possible so we can get on to some questions. Yes, please. Let's see. 
And I apologize, we got to you a little earlier than I thought we would. Let's see if this works. Well, we can see the launch screen, launch Zoom meeting window. Ooh, here we go. So you can see the actual presentation now, full screen? Yes. Mm -hmm. So I have multiple monitors, so I was hoping I was doing it on the right one. Okay, so uh, yes, we're. Uh, my name is Dorian Grubaugh, as the chief uh, introduced me. I'm with a company called Genoptic Smart Mobility. Um, we're here to talk about uh, ATE, which is automated traffic enforcement. To, you know, we're, we're here mainly to talk about uh, speed enforcement, automated speed enforcement uh, within University Heights. Yeah, and I work for Genoptic which is a, an international company. The division I work for is Smart Mobility, which is the focus on making traffic ways uh, and roads and cities safer, both through traffic and through civil security. So we do multiple different things, but we're gonna talk about speed tonight. Um, we are an international company. We're represented in six specific regional division or groups. Uh, I am representing here the uh, Genoptic Smart, uh, Smart Mobility Americas, so group number four there, and we cover all of North America, South America, and the Caribbean. Um, as you see, we're, we're global. We have over 30,000 installations worldwide, but our U.S. base of operations is in Jupiter, Florida. Uh, worldwide, we have over 4,000 employees, and um, we're pretty much tied for the foremost leading traffic law enforcement automated uh, photo enforcement provider in the world. So in the US we have, we've been mainly a distributor, but uh, we have over 4,000 cameras uh, currently up and working within the United States. And a multitude of different red light, speed and uh, ALPR formats. What I've been talking to the chief about is our, our newest or latest system that's been out for a few years, the, the Vector SR. Um, all our solutions now are multifunctional. So one camera does multiple things. And, you know, the one camera can do red light enforcement as well as speed enforcement. Um, it can do 24 seven DVR recorded video um, that can be archived up to as long as our client needs it to be. Um, that's just based on source capacity, uh, as well as a full artificial intelligence-based um, machine learning automatic license plate recognition system. So the one camera, one system that we use um, does a lot of different services uh, that municipalities or our clients can opt in or out of. What we're talking about uh, for this is spot speed. Uh, you'll see some images here, but uh, with one camera and in the image there, one radar head, we can cover uh, up to three lanes and an unlimited amount of vehicles within the, the target space. So um, what you're talking about in University Heights, so wherever we put a camera, most likely, it, you know, depending on your view of the stretch of roadway, it will cover about 100 plus meters out and across those three lanes, and it doesn't matter how many cars are within that field of view, 
it can gather the speed and capture the license plate of every single one of them um, for violations processing. Give you a little brief. It's a short video just to kind of give you a visual of what, what it does. <clears throat> of course, this was done by our, by our European brethren and they have the camera, they do it front facing. They look at the front of the car, whereas the cameras we put up in Iowa would obviously look at the rear of the car. So just imagine it turned around, but this is how it would work. Now it's capturing the, the data from each vehicle that goes by, but it's triggering those little red triggers are for um, actual speed violation incidents where it's actually capturing uh, that data bar to process into a ticket format for law enforcement to review. The other thing that Genoptic is um, known for the pioneer of is the automated license plate recognition technology. I'm not really here to talk to you about it other than the fact that <clears throat> because it's on board all of our systems, we use the number plate recognition portion of that to process all the tickets and it's to help with a timeline. So for example, um, everything that our camera sees, as I said, it's capturing you know, the speeds of each vehicle, the types of each vehicle, and that information is helpful for traffic engineers and for traffic studies later on what type of traffic's coming through, and you know how many violators. But the number plate recognition will, off your violated vehicles, the camera automatically will look at, and the artificial intelligence or the deep learning that'll go into, uh, the best way I could describe it, it's like a little human being being in the camera and they're reading that plate and automatically being able to run it through uh, the inlet system to get uh, owner registration information back to auto process that violation and get it to the police uh, in a quicker manner. So instead of say five business days, it has it to the police in a day. Um, and that gives the police time to review it and get it out so it can get to the uh, registered vehicle owner quicker than normal. I talked about the artificial intelligence. Um, this is our own artificial intelligence engine. It's not something that we've brought in. It's something that we've been developing and working on for decades. Uh, and what it's really good at is learning new and different plates. So it doesn't matter if the state would change the type of plate or go to something different. The system can actually learn a new plate in about a week. And then we've had that happen in Tennessee where they went from a normal white plate with black lettering and some some art on it to a completely blue plate with white lettering and actually it just took under it just it took just under two weeks for the system to completely catch up and go from about a 35 percent read rate where we had humans have to really look over those but uh, within that less than two week period it was back up to a 99 about 0.7 percent read rate on, on those blue plates so it's able to catch up and learn as it's looking. Um, the difference there 
the deep learning is versus the, the standard uh, optical reading each letter and number. This is actually scanning the whole plate. So even in cases where the plates are obstructed or rusted or even a little bit covered with dirt or something, the machine learning in the system is able to actually cut through that. And it has seen enough plates, it's seen over 100 billion plates that it knows. And in most cases, again, 90, about 99.8% of the time can actually read the plate and get the correct information. Of course, nothing's 100%, but it's about as close as, as possible in the industry. The other thing we don't do is use white flash. So you might have seen other programs and you see a flashing white light when, it, when, when the infraction happens. And here, as you can see, you'll see the taillights, um, but you won't see a flash. And we can capture the plate and through the infrared capture an image of the vehicle, even in what this test one was, where we made sure there was no lighting whatsoever. And in case the 16 nodes that we have on, on the face of the camera that are IR aren't enough, then we go to separate independent freestanding IR flashes on the pole, but nothing is white light. So nothing's going to uh, distract any other motorists on the road to take away from anything. As we're talking for automated speed enforcement, we can do that in a fixed or a mobile fashion. And whether it be on current street furniture infrastructure within the city as in on the right, we can attach our equipment to any pole or street furniture that's existing that we can get a power source to. Or we can quickly install our own pole and own electric and, uh, and, and go with it that way. So again, I think for, uh, for most streets that don't go over three lanes, if we go to four lanes, we need one extra camera head, but I don't think that's in any of the case here. It's just one camera head and one, one radar. It's not an intrusive uh, piece of equipment or anything. We also have this form factor in a mobile version or a speed, tra a speed trailer. Um, a little older version, our, our speed sign and speed limit sign are now all in one little box and it's even I think the newest version is even automated a bit. It gives you a smiley face if you're within the speed zone. As it gives you the good speed, it'll give you a smiley face. And if it's flashing at you because you're speeding, it'll give you your high speed and it'll give you a frowning face. And that's it's kind of to interact with the driver more to actually get their attention to see what they're doing and, and try to slow down. If they go past, then you have the cameras on top and uh, you pick up your speed from this mobile platform, which is solar-based, powering the batteries. So these systems can go out in the field for six months plus depending on the sunlight without having to be looked at or have any battery uh, recharge or service done. So any of the form factors we're capable of doing. So let me get to the back office of the, or, or the software because these programs are turnkey. So we're providing everything with the program, even the back office um, programming, which will show law enforcement the images that they're going to see. So every time there's an event, that event will get offloaded, automatically run through the inlet system, processed into a ticket format for law enforcement to review. Once their review has happened, the ones that they accept or sign off on as violations they wish to issue, those will come back to us for mailing the very next day. Uh, we'll mail those out for the police department. Those that they reject, get dumped from the system 
and they can put in the reason behind uh, what they're doing. So law enforcement still completely in control of any issuing of tickets or any non-issuance of tickets. They're in complete control of the program. The company's not in control of how it's run or what's being done. Complete control still with the city and the police department. Again, the back office does the tickets, but also has uh, evaluation of incidents. So it also is going to be where you're going to be able to pull reports on the data that's happening on the roadway. How many vehicles, what types of vehicles, how many are being cited, uh, percentage, um, which is taken from the beginning of the program when you do a warning period and how much traffic was going and what the speed problem was to fast forward a year down the road what that traffic still looked like and, and what and what kind of speed problem you still have so that you can actually show that the program's working. Also in there is uh, the finance portion, any collected revenue, um, everything is very transparent and within the back office. And um, though we're assisting and running all of that is still under the full control of the client or the municipality. As far as processing flow goes or how this works, the camera would capture the event on the day at the exact, the exact second that it happens. It will be offloaded from the camera wirelessly to process through the back office, through the BMV check automatically, put in a ticket format, like I said, within that day and then sent off to the police department. Police department logs in each day or when they have time every other day to review the events that are in their queue. And then they can, when they review them, the ones they sign off on as ones they wanna mail out that they're accepting and putting their signature on, those get generated into an actual citation for mailing the very next day. And that's how the processing flow works. Usually, hopefully in five days or less. From time of incident, the ticket is in the mail to the registered owner. And we take care of all the notice of violations. Um, so first warrant, your first notice of violation, second notice of violation. Uh, <clears throat> when they pay, we'll generate a receipt, mail it to them if they request any type of court. Um, documentation is, is taken care of all the way through the process from issuance of citation through adjudication. We touched on financial reports statistics, and then the payment portal, all that's part of the back office. You'll be able to get those statistics in the back office, same back office um, portal that the police are checking off on tickets is where those statistics or those data reports will be, same place where all the financial reports will be able to be uh, looked at or attained even on a daily basis for the finance director, even though that we collect all the money for the municipality. And then what we do is you know, once a month we process uh, those citation payments and sweep the money that's uh, owed to the city into the general fund account along with finance reports to the finance director so they're not having to necessarily add to their workload even though they can look at it every day and they can manage it um, they don't have to do the daily physical operation of it payment portal is where the violator would go and they would be able to see the same information the police saw they would be able to see their with their ticket number and their passcode that they got with the citation, they would be able to see any of the photographic or video evidence that was there. Um, they would be able to see uh, the city's 
ordinance, they would be able to request a hearing, they would be able to securely pay the violation. Um, they would also have numbers if they wanted to call our call center for any questions they couldn't find online. But everything would be there for them. And again, transparent, everyone is seeing the same data and the same information. So again, turnkey solution is what, what we're presenting for photo enforcement, for speed enforcement from uh, consulting, which we've started doing with the police department to engineering and figuring out where uh, cameras should go. I know it says financing, but there's no, there's no money that outlay by the city. So that doesn't even belong on there. But the planning and installation of the systems on either our poles or existing poles, setting up the back office, uh, claim management, finance and court, and then uh, all maintenance and service throughout the entire life of the program is all covered by us. And again, it's all done at no cost or upfront cost to the municipality. We simply take a low, uh, the low end percentage of collected fines. Uh, and the rest goes to the city. Everything else is outlaid by us and paid for by us. And then one of the reasons to go with us as a company or Unoptic is not only do we have a lot of systems, not only have we been doing speed since the 60s, so we've, we've been around this industry since its inception, but we are the manufacturer. We make the product. We are very big on research and development and keeping our product up to date and being the best, kind of like your new iPhones coming out, your new Samsung phones coming out. Uh, as our better technology comes, we provide that to our clients, but we also go into other avenues. And sometimes that's based on our clients saying we have this need. I mean, we're, we can do uh, everything from railroad crossings to regular pedestrian crossings. We can monitor bike lanes, bus lanes. Um, I have on here, the ALPR we do as a separate uh, thing. We are putting out a pilot program in a couple cities this year across the US for distracted driving, which is in-cabin technology for the hands-free law or seatbelt law. We already have, we have camera systems for that. Uh, audible detection, which is becoming popular in the US and has been asked for by several cities. So we've, we've massed that with our ALPR and are in testing phase and ready to release, I'm hoping here in the next 60 days uh, to start a program on the East Coast for audible detection for loud vehicles, which we will morph into uh, a better and more robust gunshot detection system than is out there on the market right now. Um, wireless signal detection, which we can do and we offer with our civil security, which can detect wireless signals, cellular, Bluetooth, um, Wi-Fi, and identify those signals. And as well as we just developed vessel detection, which is like a license plate reader for the water. We did that for Homeland Security and uh, are retrofitting it for the Navy and the Coast Guard as we speak. So. As a company, we can take things that our clients want. If we see a safety need with them, we can develop them. Stop sign cameras, I haven't, we have those. I didn't put that in there, but um, you know, things that have come up with our clients that we see as a need, we, we always just say, well, just give us a little time, give us you know six months and we'll, we'll develop that into a working product. So one of the reasons I think, you know, and I've worked for a few companies in this industry and uh, this is this is what had me excited to to come to this company for my final hurrah in this industry and i'm sorry i went through that so fast but i try to get through the the overview of it rather quickly because i find that 
most of it comes down to what questions you have and what I can um, guide you on and answering those questions and making you understand exactly how a program works and what it could do for you. So. Thank you, Dorian. Just as a reminder, and, and Dorian's present so he can correct me if I misspeak, but if we went with, if council decided to move forward with ATE and if we went with GenOptic, uh, again, GenOptic assumes all of the upfront costs for installation, uh, for they assist us with any sort of uh, media push out, whether that's on our webpage or, or I mean, they have done this in other places so releases so that we can we can make sure the public is informed i have talked to dorian that if we do proceed with this i i absolutely want to eliminate any sort of gotcha moment and that one of the things i just tossed out there is that i would like for example lighted radar speed signs at like we have on the west side of town both on the east side of melrose and on sunset and and Dorian said that while GenOptic does not provide those, they do work with a, a company that would provide those and, and that that would be part of our installation that, that basically GenOptic would take care of that. Again, we would be in control. University Heights would be in control. We would set our own fine structure. Uh, I have examples of what other communities have done across the state. Uh, our fine structure, they would be civil fines, not criminal fines. So we would not include some of the associated costs that go on criminal fines, such as court costs and administrative <clears throat> fees. It would be a simple fine and, and there would be most likely a structure so that as you as your speed increased, just like the, the state code, as your speed increases, your fines increased. Uh, we would set the the cutoff of where we would basically allow somebody to exceed the speed limit and where we would make the decision that, you know, this is excessive speed and this impacts traffic safety, public safety, the, the safety of our residents. And at, at this particular number, we would write a citation or, or issue a criminal uh, citation, or I'm sorry, civil citation, civil fine. The the there is a contract GenOptic is they receive compensation for their services both their initial installation and their ongoing administration of the program program through taking a percentage of any fine revenue collected uh, we do enter into a contract with them the sample contract that and shared with me was for one year I had some concern in that every year the state legislature or somebody in the state legislature that says we need to look at this and maybe modify it or maybe even say that it can't be done anymore. And part of the contract is that if there are changes at the state level that impact our program, that that, that is covered by the contract. University Heights is in no way, shape, or form liable for any costs that aren't recompensated because of something that the state does at their level. Uh, again, they administer the program. We have oversight of it and oversight of, of every, every violation notice that is sent out. Um, the one thing that you didn't touch on, Dorian, and, and if council in the future decided to move forward with this and went through the reading process and did move forward with it, how long would it take to go from 
that approval by council to, to install such a system and for going live? Yeah. Um, so from the time that they approve and we get a signed contract, uh, it's usually about, we like to say it's usually about 90 days. So then it some, somewhat depends on any, if we have to do the construction for the poles, the construction schedule on the permits. So, um, but, but 90 days is what we throw out there. And we like to, to use that as a good guide. Um, sometimes it's faster. Uh, I was not too bad. And, you know, our, a lot of us came over. <laughs> a lot of our Genoptic employees are former Census Gatso employees, and they've already, you know they've installed every camera that's in the state pretty much. So um, um, we have a very good working relationship with the DOT. We already have the in-state uh, engineers, and um, so plans and designs and drawings and construction are are not usually a problem. So I would like to say we would like to be up and running within that 90 days, and that's including, or at least up and, and where the structures and we're ready. We've already gone through our business rules and what you've talked about where we've, we've gotten you your, because we will provide like trifold literature to put in library at City Hall, uh, frequently asked questions to put on your website, help you put you know the locations on the website. Um, if you're wanting to do any town halls right before it starts, we'll come in and answer questions for the public themselves, uh, as well as when it does get going, we're going to mail out 30 days of warnings and no one's going to right. money for 30 days. So that, along with the coverage that'll come in, should pretty much, even though, you know, when we take that initial data, we, it kind of gives you a gauge on what citations you're, you're, you're looking at. Although we always say by the end of the warning period, that should have dropped a, 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 a decent little bit of amount because people have gotten used to it and received some warnings and seen all the coverage and the signs. Um, we will be putting up signs at all the entrances to the community. There'll be signs before the camera and we can do that, those flashing speed signs for you, like we said, so. Um, and as historians said, uh, is, or at least as we've talked before, the industry standard, I believe is the word that Dorian used is 30 days worth of, of, of notices being sent out to make sure, again, the goal is, the goal is speed reduction, road safety and, and safety for our community and our residents. And, uh, Again, just as a reminder, I spoke with Kent Ralston from Metropolitan Planning Organization, and he, he said that he felt that ATE was a very useful tool towards gaining compliance and that University Heights in, in particular was well suited for it in that there wasn't the ability to bypass arterial streets. There is on Kozer, but we would address that if we used ATE. And additionally, we have two lane roads. So one lane each direction through town. So that if we reach the majority of the motorists, especially during time, and those motorists slow down and comply with posted speed limits, the people behind them who might otherwise exceed the speed limit may be frustrated by that, but, but they can't just switch lanes like they can in, in Cedar Rapids on 380 and go around them. Uh, so it, it's, uh, I don't get uh, but I've gone through it with Dorian and with other vendors and ATE work. They, they do make roads safer. They do lower speeds uh, in, in places that have accidents related to excessive speed. They, they lower those accident rates uh, and you, and it's, 
no motorist can drive through a, a ATE enforced area and think, you know what, I'm going to see the camera before the camera sees me, like they do with police officers, or I know where the officer always sits. Uh, the goal is speed reduction. And if if the motorist chooses to roll the dice, there is no rolling the dice. They are going to lose every time until they learn to comply. Uh, and there's no, no, there can be no claim that you're just stopping me because I have an out-of-town plate or you're just stopping me for whatever reason. There can be no complaint of that because it's it's universal. Everybody is subject to the same timely correction if needed. So. Uh, sorry, I got on a little bit of a soapbox, but uh, <laughs> does anybody have any questions for well, Dorian? Well, Pat Yegi from the public has her hand up, and I will just start with the public since she has her hand up. Pat, uh, I I think you wanted to speak, and you're on mute. Okay, there oh, you go. No, no, I didn't have my hand up. How do you how did well, you see there, that? You have a little hand up. I oh, there's a where? little hand. On, does anybody else see it? It's on my screen. No. Hand up. Well, anyway, okay. Oh. You didn't have a question. Um. Well, no. I'm just. This is something new, and so I haven't really had a chance to think about it till now. It's interesting. And that's why I asked uh, Dorian with the mayor's do, permission guess, to come yeah. percent. You know, is one thing a, we didn't touch on that I think the public will, well, we should have, because it, it'll be one of the first things to come up is they, you can't think of these things either that they're out there to write people for one mile an hour and speed limit or three or five or even seven. Majority of programs, uh, most all of them, and we as a company would not even recommend uh, ever writing a ticket below 10 miles an hour over the speed limit. It's usually 10 miles an hour of speed limit because what you're trying to do in traffic safety is slow people from going double digits over the posted speed limit for safety reasons. The only time that usually comes down is within school zones. So I just want to put this up there. So I do have a question if I, if I, now that I had a chance to think about it, can I still ask? Yes. So do we really have a, a public safety issue with speeding in University Heights? You know, is it, how many of those people, I know there's 13,000 or 15,000 cars a day use Melrose. Are, how many of them are speeding? Or, so you know, Pat, Pat yeah. this is Troy. And yeah, I know. The last, I okay. The last survey that was done was done on Coser, actually, not on Melrose. And the 85th percentile, so that means that 85% of the vehicles that were traveling on Coser between George and Melrose, so in that two and a half block section, 85% of them were traveling 29 miles an hour or less. 29 miles an hour is nine over the speed limit. What that means is that 15%, roughly, I'm rounding, but 15% of the vehicles on that short stretch of roadway were going 10 miles an hour or more over the speed limit. Now, you know, Kent Rolston with MPO would say 29 miles an hour in a residential area, that's pretty good. The residents on that street did not agree with him, or at least some of the residents did not agree with him. And they pointed out that 15% of the vehicles were traveling 10 miles an hour or more over the posted speed limit. That's not Melrose, but that's the last survey of, of University Heights traffic that I have to go by. And, and that's what I would give you as, as an answer. I guess what I, what I was thinking is that um, outside of University Heights, people might think of it as a, 
you know, if we, if it's not really a safety issue for us, except on kosher, that people are just going to think it's a money grab by University Heights because we can, we got all those people going to the hospital. And that's why we would sign it. That's why we would put up the flashing signs. That's why we, we would put up signage to indicate that it was photo enforced. That's why we would push out a media release. And that's why, as Doreen has pointed out, we would maintain oversight of the program. If somebody came in and said, you know what, I was on my way to the hospital and here's the situation and look, I can, I can show you, I can show you my medical release or I can show you my doctor's appointment or whatever the case may be, then of course we would void that ticket. We're not, we won't, we don't want to endanger anybody. The goal not for it to be a speed trap, the goal is to publicize it and to sign it thoroughly and to have everybody be aware of it so that everybody drives a reasonable speed through University Heights. I understand where you live. Uh, if you speak to the residents and the families that live along Melrose, at least the ones that I speak with, because I hear from them when they're not happy about something, they don't like the fact that their kids or their pets are playing out in the front yard. And yes, Melrose is a 35 mile an hour speed zone as you get out by the golf course and people's backyards back up to it. But once you hit University Heights, those are people's front yards. And that's where people are playing. The kids are playing basketball in the driveway or the dogs are being let out and, and playing with or sidewalk in some places along University or along Melrose and University Heights actually actually butt up to the curb. There is no room for error if a car were to leave the roadway. So I, I, I understand what you're saying, but I, I can also promise you that I hear from residents throughout University Heights, including along Melrose, that, that are not happy that vehicles routinely, in their opinion, exceed the speed limit there. They do not feel that it's safe. I understand that. I get that too. I'm just pointing out other right. other, other right. things. Right. Thank you, Pat. Would yeah, Doug, you wanted to speak? Yeah, yeah. I've got a few questions for Dorian and, and possibly Chief as well. Um, who's our closest customer right now to University Heights? Who's your next closest customer that you serve? Hazelton's probably the closest to you. I'm sorry, who? Hazelton. Okay. Okay. All right. Now regarding the, uh, what do you do in a situation where you got somebody who's you know been caught, they send them the, the ticket. What happens when they refuse to pay? How, do, how does that get handled? Do we not get that portion or is it only the portion that we get when it's collected? No, I, I, uh, I set up, you, you can, uh, if, they, if they just don't do anything with it, um, it would be put through a municipal court for a judgment. Once that judgment were issued, then Iowa has a program at the state level that can go in and take that registered owners, take that fine money out of their uh, state income tax return or okay. casino winnings. So Iowa has a program for that. And then uh, like the, the history, uh, is it kind of a, a web-based live uh, website that like the, our PD can uh, go to to see uh, if they pull somebody over, they can actually look real time to see how many times they've had uh, camera tickets. And then also, does this also recognize like, uh, say somebody with an outstanding warrant or something like that? Will, it, will that recognize that plate and flag 
the RPD department saying, hey, here's a, a felon on, on the loose and we just recognize his car. Does that get give an alert to RPD that they can uh, apprehend this fugitive? Yes, yes. The, the simple answer is yes. It, it, I mean, and I know Chief Kelsey has told, told me that you guys already have plans for some ALPR, but I mean, even so, we would we would give you use out of your speed cameras for the first year for nothing, and, and it can do that. It can give real-time alerts in less than five, uh, in less than, well, we say in less than five minutes, guaranteed. It's, you know, within, what's that, five seconds. It's usually two to three seconds. And yes, I mean, I've gotten, we have, uh, I'm linked to one of the cameras in Texas right now. And I'm getting all my alerts within one to two seconds. One to two seconds. Okay, so this is an add-on after the first year. It, it becomes a extra. Yeah, if they wanted to keep it. If you're other, if the cameras you're bringing in were doing sufficient, you wouldn't have to utilize it anymore. Ours is a really robust and high-end system. So I mean, we we've let the chief test it. Or I mean, a sayer will give it to you for free for a year. Happy to utilize it or, or whatnot, and then uh, if, if if not needed after that, all we have to do is turn the storage portion of it off because that's what costs us the money to run it. So, okay, systems already built into the kit. It's not like we're adding anything. If I may comment to that, uh, given the the small geographical area of our community, by the time, even if it was rapid, by the time that it was detected and relayed to us or to the dispatch center, which is where it would be relayed. It would be going out to other agencies. The University of Iowa is in the process of installing cameras on various roadways around their, their university property, their campus. There will be one just east. There is one just east of University Heights on Melrose. And there will be one west of University Heights near the intersection at the intersection of Melrose and Mormon Track. So between those two cameras operating on either end of University Heights, I mean, we can reassess it because as, as Dorian said, it is it's something that is, if we went with it, it is something that is offered free for one year. However, I think that standpoint, those cameras that are just outside both of our east and west borders uh, with the automatic license plate readers will prove to be more useful than any to us than anything that we can put up in our community. And you know, when we do it, when we do this test for a year, because we'll probably from our end, we're happy to do it because I have a feeling the university is probably putting up flock cameras. They are. That is exactly yeah. what they're putting and up. And we've been desperate to go head to head with them because because <laughs> basically their their cameras were built for gated communities and things. They don't really work well at night. They have a hard time past one lane where I could identify every plate across three lanes in pitch black. Um, so we'll be happy to push that to the university and let them have the alerts too and share it with, you know, because we can share it. We've, we've built it into where it's been shared with statewide systems and everything. And we'll do that for the first year just to see how it goes for anything. For, for, if not, for nothing else, we would just love the test date ourselves um, to utilize. And then, yes, it can be turned off or, or we can talk about that. Certainly don't need to worry about it now. Um, that could be something that's brought up or discussed later. Um, Thank you. I was I was not aware of that. And if it did prove to be more efficient than the system that university puts in, I'm sure university would do that also. So thank you, Dorian. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have a harder time going up against them. We're a little bit pricier because our cameras can do such. I mean, our, our stuff's uh, we run all of the civil security for um, the United Kingdom with our services, so they're pretty robust. But um, you know, flock systems. There's 
thousands and thousands of them across the U.S. So, um, mm-hmm. and they're how, how, growing, so. how do you handle rental cars? How how does that that oh. sound pain in the rear end to chase down a rental car company and find out who owns that car to collect on them? Is that a big actually thing? no? It's actually if you had you one hundred percent guarantee, one hundred percent payment from rental car companies, one hundred percent. Because anytime if you go, now next time you go to rent your car, if you look through the whole agreement, which no one does, there's a blurb in there that says if you get any camera tickets, they're going to charge your credit card. ticket Plus usually like a $15 or $20 processing fee. So they make money off of it. So they're happy. They pay, uh, they pay up front in 100%. And Mm -hmm. then they they go after the renter because they know who was in the car. Gotcha. And then uh, my last question, I'll let somebody else speak. I don't want to wear you out. Um, so after the first year, what other expenses are we looking at? I mean, is there any like software upgrades that we need to pay yeah. for? Or if the camera gets damaged, whether by, you know, somebody runs into it or somebody vandalizes it, that's all on your nickel, is it? It's all on, yeah. You know, no, we're, this is a 100% violator funded program. You'll never, gotcha. you'll never write Genoptica check for the speed enforcement program. The only thing would be on the ALPR is if you wanted to keep that. And we're not charging for the camera because, again, it's built in. It'd be about $250 a month for the storage and maintenance. So, okay. We give the first year away free so that people who do want that added benefit value their speed or red light program have been going and that way actually the violators who are breaking your traffic laws can also pay for the civil security of the community you know so that's why we do it that way but uh, no uh, we'll never have uh, the city write us a check from the general fund. okay well i didn't mean to sound skeptical it just reminds me like cell phone companies they they woo you over and then after the first year they kind of sock it to you so i was just well no you should, you should ask those questions there are other vendors in our space who say all this stuff and then if you get into their contract what they're doing is yes they're taking that percentage but then they are charging i know of companies that charge an extra so many dollars for each mailing that they do on top of the percentage they're charging and then uh, other administrative fees that are hidden down in the contract whereas our program the only other fee we have is a credit card processing fee it's just at what it what it costs us to process it but that gets passed on to the person paying the ticket now, is that, is that something that's negotiable or is that just pretty much you have a set price or can we barter with you a percentage one way or the other? I mean, well, normally so, but um, since Chief Kelsey uh, there has such a good relationship with Phil Sargent, who we brought aboard, who I've worked with for years um, from Census Gats, I was former assistant chief down in Muscatine. I already gave them, normally we would have come in at about 40% for a smaller community with a small amount of cameras, but I already gave 5% off to Chief Kelsey. So I'm already down at the 35%. He didn't even need to negotiate. He's just, (laughs) I was talking to Phil. I'm like, all right, well, we'll just give him the friends and family plan. All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Any other questions? I wanted to ask Dorian about um, um, when we're uh, when we're setting. Okay, I lost the question. Um, let's see when you're like with Hazelton with some of these smaller towns. Did you have a public forum forum? What what are some of the things that the cities has done to get more public input 
are, are you familiar with some of those or I know yeah, it's yeah, not I, your yeah. job to do. I mean, you know. No, it's but, been I, at all three companies I've worked for. Um, I brought this over to Genoptic is, so it's a varying level. We do, you know, the council meetings, usually councils will decide, yes, we're, we we do agree and we want to move forward. So they'll start the process with um, reading the ordinance and signing the contract. Because I have always found over the years that sometimes they'll try out and do public awareness meetings beforehand and no one comes because it's not really covered that much or even if they even if they know it's on the council agenda they're not paying attention but the minute you've signed a contract that's going in the media somebody's going to print that somewhere and then people start calling and then i'd say all right we are under contract yes we're gonna have a town hall meeting come in and then i myself or phil will come in or actually probably both of us because of chief kel saying we'll have coffee beforehand We'll come into that meeting, and I've been at these meetings. I the longest one I've ever done is four and a half hours. I answer questions for four and a half hours to a few hundred people, um, but that's what we're here for. So we would come in and answer everyone's questions till they had no more questions, so that we we could get community buy-in because the program is for the community safety. It really is. The people that want to say it's a money grab are, and there are motorist groups that are out there in, in, in the country that that love to say that, but what they're really saying is. We have the right to drive how we want in this country, and that's not correct. They don't even have the right, uh, uh, they don't have an inalienable right to their driver's license. The program's not trying to grab anyone's money. All it's trying to do is get people to go less than 10 miles an hour over the speed limit. So it's not even trying to get up, we're not even trying to get you to go the speed limit. We just want you to go less than 10 miles an hour over it. And we want to get that 15%, and that's pretty much everywhere you go, it's about 15%, 10% are going over 10 miles an hour. If we can get that down to between 1 and 5%, it should eliminate anywhere from 20 to 50% of the accidents that happen. And that's what the program's about. And that's the information we want to get out. So we want that community buy-in so that anyone's saying something against the community, the community stands up and says, no, we want our community to be safe. If you don't like that, but the other thing we've also seen, businesses sometimes will come up and say, well, you know, well, people go around and we like to assure them that I, you know, my tenures, uh, and this is what I've been doing since I retired law enforcement, I've never seen, I have never seen um, traffic patterns really change. So there's not ever been, I've never seen a dip in how many cars are going through because people are creatures of habit. What does happen is they say, well, you know what? I'm just going to follow speed limit through this stretch of roadway through University Heights. And that's what happens. Okay. Four and a half hours, I think we beat you on some length of meetings, but um, uh, I, I can believe four and a half hours. Uh, I'm happy so, to come do it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, any other questions while we have Dorian here? Dorian, this is Troy. I just want to thank you for taking the time to, to, to come and present to council. Like I said, I, I could parrot what you had told me, but I think it I think it has I think it means much more coming from somebody who knows the program and knows what can happen. So thank you very much for taking time out of your evening to, to present. Oh, absolutely. It's my pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I look forward to coming back in person. Okay. Very good. Uh, Steve, uh, Louise, if I may, Mayor, if I yeah. may, I'd just like to touch on very quickly four things. Uh, 
One, I, I did not realize I was not going to be here tonight, but I, I just I want to give a shout out to Josiah. He has been fantastic to work with. I have worked with Ryan on some other projects. I'm sure that will be continue to be a positive relationship, but but I just wanted to give a shout out to Josiah. Uh, some of you, and I know Bobby was one of them, noticed that there was a pole, one of the pedestrian push button poles uh, outside of the OUP there on the northwest corner of Sunset set in Melrose that had been, it was laying on the ground. Uh, a motorist came through, left the roadway, ran over that pole and continued down Melrose without hopping. Uh, unfortunately for that motorist, maybe 10, 15 feet down the uh, right of way was his front bumper with his license plate. So I was <laughs> able to, it didn't take a lot of great police work, but I was able to locate him. Uh, he was reluctant to come in. I, I'm I can speculate why, but regardless, he came in this last weekend and uh, I collected insurance information. We'll be able to recover our losses from that. And he was cited for failure to leave uh, or leave in a scene of an accident, failure to provide information. The tornado, most of you are probably aware of the severe weather that came through. Uh, we dodged a bullet. It was as it entered the county, University Heights was square in its sights and it was headed this way as it passed Wellman. Uh, as you all know, it turned and went north kind of along Highway 218 before crossing into Coralville. There's no damage that I'm aware of in University Heights. There was some minor street flooding for a few minutes, but we're all good there. So uh, nothing but good things to report. And finally, on the street cramp cameras, uh, the traffic enforcement. Doug, I know the previous informational presentation I gave or when I shared information, you commented on Cedar Rapids cameras and anecdotally how I drove through there on Monday and I noticed that they're actually putting up a second set or have installed a second set of cameras. So just oh, to be aware of that. Wow. Uh, and that's all I have, uh, unless anybody has any questions. And thank you for your time. They must work. <laughs> yes. Thank you. I. I, uh, I, I, I asked Steve if he could maybe go through some options for council that where if council wants to move forward with next steps, what, what are some of the options for that? Do you have something, Steve, that you yeah, can you help bet. us with? Yeah, I sure do. Thank you. Uh, I think, yeah, the, the big thing is whether the council wants to move forward how the council reaches a decision in that regard. You know, if the council wants to publicize the, the issue and, and seek some, uh, you know, community input, uh, that would make sense if the council wants to start down the process of, of uh, moving forward and, and that seeks seek community input that way, you can do that too. You'll have to do that. This will take an ordinance. So, so the next formal step from my standpoint if the council says, yeah, we want to start doing this, is for, for me to put together an ordinance. Uh, I'll also obviously get the contract, the proposed contract, and read it over. There'll have to be a resolution that approves that. The ordinance will take three readings. The contract will just take one. Um, so from my standpoint, in terms of the, the legal process, it's pretty straightforward. It's an ordinance, uh, three votes, uh, and, and it's a, a contract which takes one vote. In terms of the council's um, preferences or uh, thoughts about soliciting public input on the issue, you know, I, I think the, the council 
members have been through this that kind of process, not with this subject, but before. So, you know, you could set it for, you know, public hearing or just put notice that we're going to talk about this. Uh, you know, put put it on the website, share it with friends and neighbors. Um, you know, you could do that. I'm going to I'm going to use the word informally, uh, and and you know, kind of take a nose count or that's probably the wrong phrase, but you know, listen to feedback at the at your next meeting in May, and then maybe start with the ordinance in June. Or like I said, if you want to say, now nah, we'll start with the ordinance in May, and that'll be the notice to everybody, and they can they can come and let us know what they think. So those would be some general general possible options. To Steve's comment, uh, Steve, I will share the sample contract that I have. I also have three sample ordinances from various communities across the state. They are largely the same, but they did differ in how they do it. So I can share all those of those with you. And then, Mayor, we do move forward with it, uh, especially if you're having an, any sort of public forum. Uh, with your permission, I Camp Ralston again. I know the MPO doesn't have a an official position on the pros or cons, but I think that Kent would be uh, a very good person to have to to at least provide guidance since that is that's what he does. Yeah, that'd does be helpful. Kent, yeah, go ahead. I just to say having those those uh, other uh, that other work product would be helpful for me, Chief. I appreciate it. I can pretty much tell you how public forum is going to go. Everybody in University, University Heights is going to be for it, and everybody else is going to hate it. They can, they can move here if they want. <laughs> I'm just Perfect. telling you, I know how this is going to go. So how much, that just, want, how much you want to put weight into that, that's up to you folks, but I'm still for it moving forward, so... We're just asking them to drive 10 or less over the speed limit through our community. I don't think that's an unreasonable request. I don't either. It, and it takes out all identities, you know, whether on whether you're police or you're a citizen. It, 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 it basically you're looking at behaviors and choices. And I think that's a great thing. It just kind of takes you guys out of the middle, you know. Did you say, um, Steve Ballard, that it's a did, is this a three reading? thing or just to it is okay yeah very good and this would be considered one no no we no. don't have an ordinance yet okay yeah. okay it's got to be an ordinance first then reading okay yeah yeah we got to vote on it and everything um so i don't know my i guess my thinking is council takes a we think about it um and i don't know i guess think about it and decide next time if we want to move forward with it and then go from there but put it on the may 9th i mean may was it may 9th yeah may 9th meeting mm -hmm. a discussion and uh maybe put something on the website too yeah i'd like to talk to people i mean just individually and see how people are thinking about it Does that seem reasonable to the rest of the council? Do sure. that. I see Nod, yeah, Doug and Tim and Lisa and Steph. Okay, very good. We'll do that. 
and keep moving forward. Um, anything else for Troy? Troy, did you have to leave the meeting? Is that what you said? I do not. I'm sorry. I thought you were moving on or I would not have drawn those four no, items. No, it's there. fine. It's perfect. Okay. Thank you. I want to go back to public input, just regular public input. If uh, Pat Yegi's here from the public, would you like to speak in general public input? Okay, we'll go on to uh, mayor's report. And Steve Cool spoke with Bobby and I, and you know we're having that special meeting in two weeks, April 25th, for the public hearing of the final FY24 budget and that resolution. We'll also need to set a public hearing that night to begin the amended FY23 budget. And so uh, we don't think it can be done between now and the 25th. So can council either meet for maybe 15, 20 minutes, I'm thinking on May 16th or May 22nd? Is there a date, one of those dates on Tuesday that's not good or okay? For the majority. 22nd is a Monday, so it'll be the 16th and 23rd. No, I mean 23rd. Did I say second? Yeah. I'm I second. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's the either work for me, Louise. May 16th or May 23rd. What would you like? I'm out of town on the 16th. Okay. Well, how about we say the 23rd? Good with me. Good. Good. I see head nods. Perfect. We'll go with the 23rd. Okay, and uh, so then, are there any questions for me about anything? We'll go on to legal report and Steve, any questions for Steve? I didn't submit a written report I think for the second or third month in a row, which I, I'm pretty sure is a record. And um, I think so, congratulations, Steve. Thank, thank you, yeah. Uh, so uh, do you have any questions otherwise? Things are going pretty well. I've been doing some stuff with staff and a few things here, and there we go. <laughs> Thank you. And then the clerk report, um, Mike, you uh, sent a written report. Yep, I don't, uh, I don't have anything to add other than the fact that we are heading into our uh, liquor license renewal season. So in the next couple of months, we'll have we'll have renewals and, and those are underway and in process. Thank you. Any questions for Mike? We'll go down to the treasure report and uh, Lori sent around the treasurer's report. And um, I'm not sure if John was included in that this month or not, but I see John's here tonight. And so, she listed um, the warrants and um, so did everyone have a chance to renew the warrants? Okay, uh, is there any objections to paying the warrants? Hearing none, the warrants will be approved and paid by unanimous consent. Um, Mike, how's that going with Lori and John? Is that going pretty good? 
we're 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 getting there. Uh, we've been we we've had a few email discussions, so so we're looking at dates. You know, John is very busy with taxes right now, so we we will have some time that we'll start getting together as things begin. You you can see. You can see the light at the end of the tunnel on John's face, I think. So, uh. <laughs> oh, oh dear. <laughs> but we uh, we have we will be working on that. Uh, we've got a list of things to work through. So, thank you. I, 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 I let it be known for the record that I'm the holdup in the transition. <laughs> okay, it's you, John. <laughs> thank you. Uh, Okay, we'll go on to, um, let's see, where was I? Oh, engineer report. Uh, Ryan sent around a uh, engineer's report and uh, Ryan, did you wanna uh, see if anyone had questions, talk about, it's a very good complete report and uh, I have it right here. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess um, if anybody has any questions, let me know. I can run through just a couple things that I why think- Why don't you? Probably, you know, people Thanks, might have Ryan. questions on, but I guess just first and foremost, I haven't met every council member in person yet, most of them, but I think Stephanie and Tim, I haven't met. So turn my camera on this week <laughs> so you can, see my face a little bit here but I appreciate that <laughs> yeah no problem uh so I think the first one kind of the big the hot topic is going to be Metronet and um their installation north of Melrose that that work they completed I walked through with their um their foreman there's some stuff that they didn't put in the right spots the spots that we discussed so I've told them that they need to move some things um restoration work is going to be probably the main question anyone would be getting um they're just waiting for sod to become available and then they're going to start work on that um for permanent restoration uh, of the yards um they should have already been putting down seed and and any areas that come in nicely will will leave alone but otherwise they'll be using sod here in a couple of weeks uh, i did notice that on Mike's city clerk report, there's a complaint about a fiber optic box along Sunset. I think that's the same one Bobby brought up to us on Friday last week. So I had already contacted Metronet and they sent me a photo this morning that that's been closed up. So that item should be handled along Sunset. Uh, another uh, good news one, MPOJC, uh, Mayor Fromm reported to us that um, at the MPO Urbanized Area Policy Board meeting, they voted and they um, decided to award $225,000 to University Heights for Sunset Street and Melrose Avenue uh, panel repair and uh, preventative maintenance work. So that's good news. Finkbine Golf Course, James, just to wrap up that conversation, I believe Mayor Fromm sent everybody an update from the university. So um, that one is, um off the table now so let's see and then i know we i've we've got uh quite a bit here on the oakcrest avenue just kind of the process here i think the biggest thing to talk about there is probably schedule so the idea would be that 
Oakcrest itself would not be closed until after school's out and would be reopened before school starts. Uh, however, we'd to provide some flexibility to the contractor, we'd allow them to close um, Mahaska Drive and Mahaska Court, uh, you know, before school is out or later in the fall, if that's when their schedule um, allows uh, one school's in session, since that won't impact school traffic as much. And then uh, Mahaska Court, since that's a cul-de-sac, that that work is going to have to be done half width at a time, so those residents would always have access. So Mahaska Drive, though, to the north would be full closure. So I think those those are the main points I'd want to bring up there. If anybody's got questions on sort of the operation traffic control work there, so and then there's a few miscellaneous items in the report, but if anybody. If nobody's got any questions on them, I won't rehash them. At the May 9th meeting, after you get the um, bids and everything for that, maybe you can go over the traffic then. For you know what I mean? Maybe that would yeah. be a good time then traffic control for Mahaska or, yeah. or maybe June, but. Yeah, we can talk some more about that. And, and maybe once we've got bids and can start talking about talking to a contractor. Once we lock in a contractor, we can have a better idea on uh, what they're expecting from schedule also from timing. Definitely. Okay, and then you gave a report for Horn Elementary and street sweeping mm -hmm. and yeah, very good. Any questions on any of that? Any any questions? Uh, Doug, did you have anything? No, the only thing I had, but he already answered it because uh, I do live on that cul-de-sac and I was wondering how we were going to do a full closure there, but uh, he made it very clear that it was going to be a, kind of a half and half. So that uh, that's good. That's very good. Um, coming that intersection there, um, you're going to go one panel back. I think we talked about. Um, we're going to remove all that broken up overlay completely, aren't we? Right. It, like within the intersection? Yeah. On the north and south sides yeah. of it? Yeah. North side right. so much, yeah. Yeah, the north side. So, uh, and we're actually doing some concrete work there also. So we'll, we'll remove concrete panels and that would really actually be in that area where that uh, asphalt's broken up. And we're going to reconstruct it a little bit differently and provide kind of a thickened uh, concrete section that'll provide sort of a drop off or a lip before they place the new asphalt overlay. Mm -hmm. So that way, hopefully we don't have a real thin layer that'll um, spall away, chip away as easily sure. in the future. Yep. And then we'll have new uh, handicap compliant uh, sidewalk intersections there. Yep, that's right. Yep, the curb ramps will re be rebuilt to be ADA compliant. Okay, yep. very good. Looks good. Looks good. Yeah. Thank you. Any other questions? Okay. So, Chief, we covered the community protection. Stephanie, did you have anything to add? No. Okay. Thank you. And building zoning and sanitation, Tim, did you have anything this month? Nothing for me. Okay. And um, finance, uh, we're going to have the meeting on. April 25th. Did you have anything else, Bobby? Hmm. 
Excuse me. No, no, nothing. Okay. Thank you. And uh, e-government and Lisa, you sent around a report. Uh, I think we ought to go through some of those dates <coughs> for the public. Um, Leaf vacuum, you had that date, April, yeah, April 17. I was going to ask if Mike would just list these in, in the minutes under announcements. Mm -hmm. So will do. Uh, yeah, leaf vacuuming is have your leaves ready early on Monday, April 17th. And cleanup day is 9 a.m. to noon on Saturday, April 29th. Okay, great. Um, May is bicycle month, and we traditionally do a bike breakfast. And I haven't heard back from Jeff's Bike and Ski Shop. They do a co-sponsor for a breakfast. So maybe, hopefully I'll know by the 25th of April when that's coming up because, uh, you know, uh, it's a real nice, um, hopefully we'll have great weather and it'll be real nice. Um, uh, event and the police help with that also. And then the other thing was um, the farmer's market is going to start. Troy helped with this. Thank you, Chief, for helping me so much with this. We're moving the farmer's market back to the University Athletic Club parking lot on the far west side. Um, the University of Iowa is going is doing a construction project from lot, what is that lot, 43 by the uh, Kinnick Stadium and cars are gonna eventually be moved over there. So you'll see cars starting in June, but we're gonna have the farmer's market on the west side of that uh, as we had uh, three years ago. And so that's gonna start May 23rd from on a Tuesday from four to six. And that's on the, that's on the city website. Um, so check, check that out and we'll get moving on. Thanks for your help with all that chief. I appreciate it. Yes. And um, anything else for Lisa? Um, Stephanie, before the meeting started, said we need to get the golf um, cart ordinance on there, and Steve Ballard's going to get the golf courts ordinance on the website, so people will know next steps of what they need to do if they want to drive it in this nice weather. And um, let's see, any other announcements? Is, is there any objection to adjournment? Hearing none, the meeting's adjourned by unanimous consent. Thanks, everyone. Take care.